0: This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Good morning, everybody. Uh, What a great truth we just sang. Actually, several of them. Awesome. So, welcome. Good morning to New Life. My name is Ron. I'm the founding pastor of New Life. And uh, so, if you come here all the time... Uh, We're going to shake things up a little bit today. Are you ready for that? Yeah, 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 we love that. That's right, you can't snooze here. So if you're brand new to New Life, uh, welcome. We are a fun group of people who are learning uh, to follow Christ in some amazing things, and you'll hear about that this morning, and our lives are being touched. We are being changed um, in, in some of the most profound ways, ways that only God could do. And so uh, here's, here's what you have in store for you. Uh, I'm going to preach for about 15 to 20 minutes maximum today. So you're going to have to listen quickly. How's that? Uh, we are going to do an interview of a couple in our church that I think you are going to love. We are going to do baptisms and an extended time of worship at the end of our service. So if you could set your internal clock that when I walk off the stage... There's more than three minutes left, okay? Can everybody do that? So so the natives don't get restless when Kevin walks out. And we, ha- and we have a, a time of worship and baptism. If you have a Kleenex handy, you might get it ready before we do baptisms. It usually goes in that direction. So we're in for a great time today. For those of you who are brand new to New Life, a couple of things. Uh, I'll be hanging out in the auditorium afterwards if there's anything I say. Or are there any questions you might have about our church? I would love to just visit with you and meet meet you before you get out of here today. Um, Two things. When you come to church, even if you're here for the first time, my encouragement to you would be, don't just come and observe. Come and receive. God has something for you, or you wouldn't be here. So observe all you want. Watch with your eyes, but keep your ears open, because God never wastes a church service for anybody. Does that make sense? That's why we're here. So I'm excited for what God's going to do in your life. We have a couple of things to assist you in that process, and you'll find them both inside your program. So if you'll pull your program out, these are tools that all of us here at New Life use every Sunday, the first is the tall skinny card that says start here on one side and, and up and down the side of the back it says connect card. Um, this is a resource for you. This actually gives you uh, connection and availability to all the resources that we have as a church. The ministries we have, the pastoral staff that we have, the opportunity to ask our, the leadership of our church to pray about something that's going on in your life, the ability to sign up for something. In fact, as I said, we're going to do baptisms a little bit later on this morning. Um, so for the past couple of weeks, you've been able to sign up for baptism. You can't do that today because the tank is right here. But I do want to say this. You may have come this morning with no intention of getting baptized. But while this service is going on, God may nudge you and say, this is your morning. I want to do this in your life. I want to encourage you, walk right on down to the front when everybody else does. Kick off your shoes, all right? And we have t-shirts that you can wear if you want to put something on over what you have. We have towels. And, the, and here's the deal. You'll go home wet, but you will go home happy. I will tell you that for sure. And you will go home a different person. And you'll hear more about that in a little bit. But this is this is a tool that, that opens up our church's resources for you. So put your name and contact information on the front so we can get those resources to you. And later on in the service, we'll be collecting these. Just make sure you put them in the basket on the way by, and we can follow through with what you've asked for. The second tool that we have helps you learn, and it's the teaching notes in your program. So you can pull those out and and follow along as I teach. So we are in the middle of a series called Engage, and you will love what I found. I had to look a long time on Amazon to find this thing. And amazingly, it had pray, it had go, and it had give on it. Can you believe that? Yeah, right. So when you see... This is what happens when you take Engage and you mix it with a 16-year-old grandson who's a talented artist. There you go. So, all right. So we're in this middle of this series called Engage. And today we're going to talk about processes and outcomes. Because, well, let me give you the background of where we are. Engage is really something that God is doing. He's preparing our church for the next 20 years of expanded reach and influence. And the way he's preparing us is through a time of personal engagement with him around these three chosen activities. And the first one is to pray. I have, a, I have a bracelet on my wrist, and somebody walked in today with a bracelet, and somehow they had gotten one, but they have no idea what it's about. And on this bracelet, this side says engaged, this side has 1 colon 1 2, in other words, one twelve. 12. And there's a real reason for that. There are 112,000 people that live in the greater Petaluma area, if you include Pengrove, Katati, and Rohnert Park. So there's a whole bunch of us in the church who have set an alarm on our smartphones, and it goes off at 1.12 p.m. every day, and whatever we're doing, we stop, and we pray for the 112,000 people in this area, because every one of them matters to God. And if every one of them matters to God, then every one of them matters to us. Because whatever is close to his heart is also close to ours. So God wants to engage with every one of us every day through prayer. And so that's a big part of engage. Leg number two is go. Okay? And Here's the idea. God will lead every one of us to some area of service. And notice this, it's close to our heart. God's not going to ask you to do something that's not close to your heart and makes no sense to you. But the cool thing about understanding how God works with people is God wires us all up uniquely. And then God begins to move us into places of service that actually scratch where we itch. You understand? It feels great. It's motivating. It helps other people. So he's gonna, he's gonna move us into some area of service close to our heart, and through that area, we can partner with him in changing people's lives. And that's the bottom line. If if you and I get involved in an activity that actually makes a difference in other people's lives, there's an amazing thing that takes place inside of us. It's one of the best feelings you can ever have in this life, is knowing that you made a difference. The third thing is, by the way, people who are praying every day and are engaging with God, God is moving in some amazing ways. I just want to plant a seed thought, okay? Over the next few months, Kevin and I are going to be laying out for our church some some new areas of expanded service. I'll just talk to you about one of them. Keep your eyes and your ears open for a ministry called Impact. And that's all I'm going to tell you. But it, it's a game changer for our whole church. So uh, that's coming down the pike. You hear about it many times over the next few months. Leg number three is God wants us to... Yes my job. God wants us to live our give. So pray each day, know our go, and now live our give because God will lead every one of us to know the portion of our church's finances he wants to supply through us. Here's why it's important. If God's going to lead our church to these greatly expanded um, influence and reach, well, God will supply the financial resources it takes for us to be able to provide all those new areas of service for our community and our world. And so it's a three-legged stool, and the reason it's a three-legged stool is if you ever tried to sit on a two-legged stool, does not work all that well. Okay? So let's let's go through some understandings. The first key understanding is this. God is setting up our church for expanded reach and influence by moving each of us to new and greater areas of service and supplying through us the financial resources required to serve in these ways. Does that sound like fun? That is the church in action. That's what God is doing. So key understanding number two is that God will enable each of us to stand in all three of these areas. While all of us might be drawn to one more than the other, The key thing is God is calling us to all three areas and he will enable us to stand in each of those areas. Now we've been looking at this through the eyes of David and the story of David and Goliath. And so I'm going to take you in a minute to a Bible text that tells the story. But for those of you that might not be familiar with that story, let me back up and give you just a little backstory. We're going to The story begins with a major problem. The Israelites, who are God's people in this particular period of history, and the people that God is working with, their major enemy, the Philistines, have decided it's time for war. So they have marshaled all of their troops, and they are ready to invade the nation of Israel. And the nation of Israel is in deep trouble. So their king... King Saul, who's been king for some time somewhere around 25 to 30 years, at this point, King Saul rallies all the troops of Israel, and they are going to defend their country. So as as the story goes, um, King Saul and his troops gather on one mountainside. And the Philistines are all gathered on another mountainside. And in the middle is a valley. And there's a little stream that runs through that valley. And that valley happens to be called the Valley of Elah. You can visit that valley in Israel today. I've actually been to that valley and down in that little stream that flows between those those two hillsides. So the deal is the, Philist- the, the Philistines are actually after two things. They want control of the land and they want slave labor. So they come up with this unique battle plan because in, in this day and age, you didn't have an army and then a bunch of civilians. If you were a civilian, you were a soldier. That's how it worked. So when Saul marshaled all the troops, he basically got all the men from the nation of Israel who were between 20 and 60 years of age. The Philistines figured out if we kill all those people, that's our slave labor force. So they decided let's not do that. So let's come up with a different battle plan. We'll get all of our people together and then we'll choose a champion and we'll have him walk out in the valley and he will, he will issue a challenge to the champion of the Israelites and whoever wins in that battle between those two people, why the other, the other army will go over there and they will capture and take into slave labor all the other soldiers. So that was the plan. They've got, a, they've got a champion. He's a suitable champion. He's nine and a half feet tall, weighs probably 400 pounds with no body fat, just one hulk of a guy. And he issues the challenge. Nobody is taking the challenge because when you look at somebody who's nine and a half feet tall. And you realize that the average Israelite was probably about five and a half feet tall. It does not take a mental giant to realize that's not going to end well. So this is where we pick up the story. David walks on the scene. David is a 17-year-old shepherd boy okay, with, with a giant faith in God. So David walks up to the king and he says, now don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Saul's the king, David's the shepherd. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy and he's been a man of war since his youth. But fast forwarding a little bit, David persisted and Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet, and a coat of mail. That means one of those iron mesh things. Yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute. So David put it on, he strapped the sword on over it, took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. Shepherds do not wear a coat of mail to tend the sheep. That's the deal. He said, I can't go in these. He protested to Saul. So David took them off and he picked up five smooth stones from, a, from the stream and put them into a shepherd's bag. Having been to Israel Uh, a few times. I can tell you I've been to many streams in the nation of Israel, and there aren't many rocks in those streams, and the rocks that are in those streams uh, on virtually every stream are pretty jagged. But in the stream that goes through the Valley of Elah, they were smooth. In fact, on my first trip to Israel, I picked up five smooth stones from the Valley of Elah in case there was anyone here I needed to take care of. No, 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 not really, all right? But I did pick up five smooth stones from that valley, all right? And so there he goes. Then armed only with a shepherd's staff and a sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. Now we're gonna, we're just gonna pull three simple principles out of that. And the first is this. God had provided for both Saul and David a process. That would work for them. A process through which they could partner with God and make a difference. See, Saul had been a warrior for 25 or 30 years. What I didn't tell you about Saul is Saul, the Bible says, was a head and shoulders above everyone else in the nation of Israel. So if you were conducting a church service and you said, let's all stand, all the heads would have stopped and one would have just kept going. And you would have seen it right away. So Saul was a big dude. By far the biggest in the entire nation of Israel. And he, was, he had been a warrior for 25 or 30 years. Now what was right beside Saul? Well we see. It's his armor. It's, it's right there. If Saul had looked at his armor, he would have realized that was his process. He was the king of Israel. Their deliverer. Saul had used that armor for 25 years. We have no record that Saul was ever once injured in that armor. He was a battle tested warrior with a full case of armor right beside him. He had everything he needed, fully provided by God, to step onto that battlefield and make a difference. But are you ready? Saul couldn't do that because at the moment he was disengaged from God. And friends, when you and I are disengaged from God, we never have the courage to do what we could do if we were engaged with God. So there it was, his process, and it was useless because he was disengaged from God. Now, standing beside him was his polar opposite. Saul was in the prime of life, the strongest he would ever be. He was king. He was was the one everyone looked to. He he was in a place of positional authority. Standing right beside him was a 17-year-old teenager. No armor, seemingly ill-prepared for war, Got a sling, probably made out of leather and cloth, and probably strapped inside the belt of his robe. And you think, well, at least this guy has something to use, a process. What about this kid? Never been to war before. Battle tested warrior, battle rookie. Armor, no armor. Prime of life, strong teenager, just beginning to develop strength. Head and shoulders above everybody else, average. No one sitting around would ever have looked at those two and go, my money's on the kid. Not a chance. But there's one huge difference. This guy is not engaged with God And he's trying to go it alone. And this guy is fully engaged with God. And friends, that is a game changer. Got it? Makes all the difference in the world. Okay? Here's principle number two. And that is the process for each was different. I can tell you that a shepherd's sling and a coat of mail don't look anything alike. Yeah, the process was different. Now, Saul didn't get that because he was not engaged with God. He was thinking no one could go to war without armor. So he says to David, here, put on my armor. Now, if Saul had thought about that, we used, I grew up in the Midwest, all right? So we used to have these, these, these little colloquialisms that need no explanation. I think you'll get it, but you'll never hear it out here except for me. Okay? The people I grew up around would have said, that fit David like socks on a rooster. Got it? Really hard to keep up, all right? David put that stuff on, and you know, the, the, the sleeves went down past his arms, and, and the pants were all baggy, and the shoes didn't fit, and he straps on the sword, which was way too big for him, and he, he takes a step or two, and he's thinking, I'm a sitting duck in this thing. I don't care if this is a tank. Eventually, they're going to get to me. Because I can't do anything in this. Because David understands something, and that is the process for everyone who walks with God is always individualized. It's always different. And then the third thing is the most important thing. David realized that God is always the power behind the process. The power doesn't lie in the process. Listen, the opportunity lies in the process should write that down somewhere. The opportunity lies in the process. So if you don't follow through with the process, you lose the opportunity. The opportunity is in the process, but the power is always in God. And because David was engaged with God, then God could release his power through David. Now, if you don't know the story, David goes out in the valley He puts one one stone in his sling, winds that sling up, lets the stone fly. It smacks the giant. The giant is dead before he hits the ground. And it's a huge victory for the nation of Israel that day. That's the classic story of David and Goliath. So now, let's take a look at key understanding number three. The story of David teaches us, and this is really the story of engage. Here we go. Teaches us to engage with God. That's why we pray every day. Because it's in the praying every day that the other two legs of the stool are are actually opened to us. Because if I don't pray every day, how will I ever really know my go? I will guess at my go. I'll take my best shot at it. But I'll be a little bit like King Saul who stood beside his armor and took his best shot at it, which wasn't much shot at all. He didn't have the confidence to go in the direction that God was actually guiding him. So praying every day unlocks the door for me knowing my go. It also unlocks the door for me to understand the process that God wants to use in my life so that I can actually be a part of supplying the financial resources that God is going to use over the next 20 years to do amazing things in our community. So key understanding number three is David teaches us to actually engage with God and then follow the process that, that God leads us to. If David had gone out and tried to take Saul's process, by the way, it would not have worked. And, and vice versa. Can you imagine King Saul walking onto a battlefield with a shepherd's sling and no armor? Hey, how does this thing work? David goes, well, you put a little stone in the bottom, and you wind that thing up, and if you let go at just the right moment, it goes right where you're going to go, right where you want it to go. Saul would have been lucky not to have the thing wrapped around his neck, right? Because it's the process God leads us to, and the last of all, to trust him with the outcomes. And that's the journey that we're on as a church. And so today we're going to talk about processes and outcomes. Let me tell you uh, a story and then I'm going to interview somebody. Um, When we engage with God, God always does the unexpected through us. There's not a single story in the Bible where someone engaged with God and God led them in a direction and they turned to God and said, it's about time I was expecting to do just that. (laughs) Every story is a surprise. And when God says, this is where I'm calling you, all of them tend to look back at God and say, are you sure? Because I would not have predicted that. Yes. So I want to tell you the story of a couple in our church. Um, They visited with Pastor Kevin just the other day, and they said, we are so excited about our church. We've, We've been here about a year and a half, and it God's doing amazing things for our church and in our lives, and we're so excited about it. We're bummed we're not going to get to be there on Commitment Sunday when everybody else is making their commitments. Uh, But we want our commitment to be included. And so they said, you know, we're at a place in life where we already tithe. We actually give more than a tithe. We give it to three different places. We give some of it to New Life, and we give some of it to these two other organizations, and we, we, we are so excited to be able to do that. But as we've sat down and we have prayed with God and God has been instructing us, here's what he's leading us to. And that is over the next two years and each year, we are going to donate $50,000 worth of stock each year to the church. And that's the part of moving our church forward that God wants us to have. That's pretty awesome, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. It's just a great story of someone who engaged with God. I can tell you people have been, as they have prayed and God has talked to them about their go, people have been calling Pastor Kevin, they've been talking to me, they've been talking to various members of our staff. Hey, I was praying the other day, and I I think God might want me to, and they are stepping up in huge areas that you're going to hear more about. Why? Why? Because when people engage with God, it never stays the same. God always moves us. And so the idea is, if I engage in the process, God will do what he wants to do. I engage, I follow through, and I want to tell you something. Here's the bonus. We get to watch God work. Not through somebody else, although we do get to do that. We get to watch God work through us. I got to tell you, I'll bet you David for the rest of his life remembered the moment he wound up that sling, let that rock fly, his heart was fluttering, that giant was way bigger than he was, and he was like, I can't wait to see how this ends, and I'm sure hoping that God comes through. Yeah. And when the stone hit the giant, and the giant went down, He probably jumped up and down like a little kid, don't you think? Yeah, look at that. Yeah, and there was a gigantic cry, a a cheer that came from the entire Israelite army. I mean, there were more people than at a typical College football game, and you know what happens when everybody cheers, right? And somebody's breaking for 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 down the sidelines, and and they're chewing up yardage and headed for the touchdown. I mean, you can just feel it inside you. David felt all that. We get to watch God work. So, there's I could pick almost anybody in our church, but there's a couple who uh, called Pastor Kevin this week and said, uh, "Hey." This is what God was doing in our lives, in and around Engage, and so we are going to interview Lou and Kelly Staffieri. Would you please welcome them to the stage? All right, Kelly, you're here first. Put that right. You're not nervous, right? Yeah, okay. Well, let's put this right up here. Look right out at those people and say, I am not nervous.
1: I'm nervous. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Somebody told her not to lie in church. All right. so, that's awesome. Okay. So how long have you been at New Life?
1: Uh, about two years. Yeah.
0: Both of you came at the same time?
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. And you came as a package deal.
1: Yes. We did. That's awesome. Always.
0: So there have been a couple of things that have happened in your life in the last two years that are big, and one of them relates to a baptismal tank. How long ago did you get baptized? Um, it was uh, February of, uh, what, about two years ago. Yeah. Yeah, so right away after you came. Yeah, yeah. Right, uh, the first baptism um, right after we started coming to New Life. That's awesome. So... So there's a little hint for everybody else. Yeah, yeah. they should pay you to do that. Absolutely. <laughs> and that is, even if you're brand new to new life, this could be your Sunday. So, Kelly, how about you?
1: Um, I went about six months later. Um, awesome. Being new to um, my relationship with God and being more analytical, I took a while, but um, I did mine six months after.
0: That's awesome. That's terrific. So. It's
1: awesome. Yes, it is awesome.
0: Good for you. Um I see a ring on your fingers. Can we talk a little bit about that? How <laughs> long ago did you get married?
1: 2 months ago.
0: 2 months. <laughs> Rev Kev was our um got yeah.
1: married officiate. us officiate. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Rev Kev did it. So Rev there God. you go. That's awesome. So, now You called Kevin and talked to him about a story that I know our people are going to find interesting. And uh, as you engaged with God around this whole thing, I know both of you had different responses, and that led to some very interesting conversations. So, Kelly, let's start with you. What was your initial response?
1: Well, um, after church last Sunday, I just wanted to share with Rev. Kev that that morning before the second week of engage, we, Lou, I was doing my makeup and Lou asked me, so how much do you want to give today? And, um, both being from, um, homes that didn't have a lot of extra money, um, money kind of does that kind of thing. You know, the fear (laughs) and the ego around money is a big topic of conversation. And, um, so it opened up us to talking about, um, I kind of honestly said, I think that Rev Kev is asking a lot. That's a lot. The fear, you know, that's not my giant kind of talk. And uh, we kind of talked it through where um, a lot of times when I'm not being in faith and living, trying to live in God's will and align with what that means for me, it is because of fear. Um, I'm I'm scared that I I need to hold on to this. I can't give. Like, what if, as opposed to understanding that... um, God will provide for me um, and being faithful in that. Yeah. And uh, then Lou.
0: Lou added it's his just, own perspective. Yeah. yeah. We, yeah. We, uh, we were asking the question, you know, is, are we being asked to buy our way into heaven? You know, it's like if, if we give more money, is that going to bring us closer to God? You know, and um, what we came up with was, no, what we're being asked to do is to give some of what God's already provided us so that the church can allow other people to experience what we've experienced here, you know, a closer connection to God, um, being able to uh, start over a new life through baptism, you know, uh, finding our union together, you know, for the rest of our life, and um, just, just feeling like we have a closer connection, you know, with our higher power, and so that's what we came up with, you know, that we're not being asked to buy our way into heaven, we're just trying to help provide what we've already experienced for somebody else. That, isn't that a great perspective? So now you guys are in the process with everybody else, and I'm going to say to you what I would say to everybody else, and it's exactly what we learned from David today, and that is let God give you a process, and I'm going to break a couple of processes out for us here in just a minute. Just walk in that process and let God worry about the outcome. Fair enough? Thank you so much for coming and sharing your story. (laughs) We love you. (laughs) I love that perspective. That's such an awesome thing. So let's talk about processes and outcomes. One of the most important things for us to realize is God has a process for every one of us. To move us into places where we can make a difference. And I'm I'm fairly sure that many of us are like Lou and Kelly. We think, I would really like to be able to make a difference financially, but I don't see how that's possible. Plus, that sort of scares me. So we're going to take a couple minutes. In your program, there's a card that looks like this. Would you would you pull it out? It's sort of in the shape of a bookmark, alright? And I'm going to walk you down through it. Before you start reading, take your eyes off of that look at me, (laughs) alright? Don't I sound like the teacher? I'm going to give you this, but don't look at it, alright? So look at me for a minute. I want to make two statements, okay? Number one, we have two things to offer you. First of all, I believe that most of us are actually able to make a bigger difference financially than we think we can right now, okay? I'm going to walk you through some of the reasons why I believe that. And then secondly, I think there are some of us in this room who would like to make a difference, but because of where we are financially, we have dug a hole so deep that we see a little blue, but it looks like a dot up there, right? Well, we have a tool for you. I want to talk to you about that. And that tool can make a huge difference in your life in even one year. And if you will walk in and use that tool, the second year of our Engage uh, spiritual journey, the second year, you actually will be able to make a difference. So now get out your bookmark, and and I'm I'm just going to plant some seed thought ideas. And I've done the math. You can check the math later, and if there's something wrong with the math, you can pray that God will forgive me. All right? So that's how that works. All right? First of all, I have an idea. How about if you matched your Starbucks? And by the way, if you go to Pete's, don't think that lets you off, all right? Okay? But I know many of you go to Starbucks every day, and somebody who who proofread this for me went, what can you buy at Starbucks for three bucks? All right? So I'm being conservative here, all right? But if you just matched your Starbucks... And it was three bucks a day. Do you realize over the course of two years that you could make a $2,190 contribution for the 20 year history of our church? And you could make it just by matching your Starbucks. By the way, if you can't match your Starbucks, you should not be drinking <laughs> Starbucks. Am I, are you on board with that? That is not a life essential. <laughs> okay. Number two. <laughs> you could streamline your TV. God forbid that you should cut $50 off your cable TV bill by, by nixing the 500 channels you never watch anyway. Right? You could cut 50 bucks a month off your, off your TV bill, and if you did that, well, look at that. You could give $1,200 over the space of two years. You might be able to pay off a loan. I looked up the national average for car payments. And did you realize the national average for car payments is $479 a month per vehicle? Okay? Don't shake your head at me. (laughs) Shake your head at everybody around you. Okay? All right? So here's the deal. What if you were able to pay off your car the first year and the second year you were to take that same payment and instead invest it in the church through ways that would actually make a difference in people's lives. You can see at the end of just one year, you would make a $5,748 donation. That's a big difference. By the way, if you're thinking about buying a car and you're thinking about taking on a car payment, why not drive the car you have for one more year? And instead, devote that first year to engage. How about if you're a substitute teacher? Well, substitute teachers conservatively make about $175 a day. So if you said, I will take two extra days each month for the next 24 months, and then I'm going to multiply that by an 80% factor because we have to pay Uncle Sam in Sacramento, and you know how that goes. Do you realize that you would end up making a $6,720 contribution and you are teaching two extra days per month? How about a, a music teacher or a tutor or anybody like that? I happen to pick on music teachers because my wife teaches music, so there you go. Sorry about that, Monica. I happen to know what you charge, so here you go. So... What if you're a tutor or a, or a music lesson teacher or something of that nature, and you decided, okay, I'm going to give God a chance to work in my life, so the next three new students that I get over the next two years, I'm going to donate half of what I charge them, and I'm just going to give that to Engage. You would end up with a $2,880 donation. How about if you're a real estate agent? and you decided that you would take half of the commission on just two new listings that sell sometime in the next two years. Okay? You would end up being able to make a $12,000 donation just with half of your personal commission. How about overtime shifts? What if you decided, I know many of you work at places that overtime shifts are available, so you work a couple of overtime shifts a month. Let's just say that you make $20 an hour. Some of you make a lot more than that, some less than that, okay? So first of all, it's overtime, so you get what? Time and a half. And you're doing it for 24 months, and you're multiplying it by 80%. The the math comes out to $9,216. How about if you're a business owner and you decide? So I had a friend who was was an investment uh, counselor, Uh, and financial planner for people. And so he got involved, not in this engage, but in a, you know, in a former, uh, project like this. And he started praying to God. And God said, You know, your company is coming out with this new product. What if you decided to give 50% of the commission that you get for every one of these new, of this new product that you write and sell? And he said, You know what happened to me? He was like every other person that came through the door wanted to buy one of those. And he said, you know, in the end, I was able to make a huge difference in the church. But he said, here's the kicker. I honestly believe I wouldn't have sold half as many of those if God wasn't behind it. So he said, you know something? I ended up the same amount of commission anyway. Except I got to make a difference. And last of all, a stock owner, and I just told you a story about that, so I won't illustrate that. So those are some seed seed thought ideas. Here's what I want you to do with that. Just go home and pray through it with God. Read it out loud to him and say, God, point me to one of these or point me to something else in my life that you know, because as we walk through this, I want to make a difference. I don't want to just get on the backs of everybody else and ride free. I actually want to make a difference. And even though I don't know how, if you will lead me to a process, here's the deal, God, I'll follow the process. And whatever the outcome is, I'll be good with that. Because that's how God would call us. Now, at the very bottom, you see a thing that says Financial Peace University. Financial Peace University is an amazing tool. A number of people in our church have taken it. I think maybe somewhere between 100 and 200 have. It has revolutionized how we look at money, what we do with money, and in the end, it has revolutionized how much actual, um, what what should I say, discretionary income we now have. The ability to give and make a difference. So um, October the 16th, that's two weeks from tomorrow, We are offering a whole new session of Financial Peace University. It's it's a number of weeks long. It happens once a week. You will learn how to pay off the debt you have and how to do that in some very creative ways. You will learn how to set aside an emergency fund so that when the washer or the dryer goes out, you don't have to put it on your credit card. You will also learn how to begin to save and, and operate around a budget. And you know something long before the end of this two-year engage, you will be in a position where you can make a difference. The thing about this Financial Peace University this time is it it is specifically tailored to the engage process that we are on as a church. So if, if if you want to make a huge difference in your family and in the end be able to do something that will help people for the next 20 years, I would suggest if you haven't gone to FPU, Sign up for that. You can at the bottom of that Connect card. That's something you can sign up for today. Just check Financial Peace University, and we will get you enrolled. So, it's been a great morning. One thing. Look on the bottom of of your notes, and it says moving forward. Let's take a look at moving forward. Here's what you can do. You can say, I will process. I will read and process this list with God and I'll ask him to lead me to his chosen process for me. Are you on board with that? It's going to be a great... By the way, are you enjoying the devotional? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's that's so fun. That's good for me. I am so enjoying walking through that, and it was fun to read through that even this, even this morning, early in the morning, and to get my heart set where it needs to be with God. I want to pray with you, and then I'm going to turn it over to Pastor Kevin. God, thank you so very much for David. Thank you for the amazing way he engaged with you. And God, would you help us not to think that he's on one side of the Grand Canyon and we're on the other and we could never get to where he is. Would you help us to understand that in your economy, we're all standing shoulder to shoulder, that whatever you did through David, you will do something like that through us because you don't love him any more than you love us. And you don't want to engage with him any more than you want to engage with us. Would you give us grace this week to pray each day? Would you open our eyes more so that we can know our go? And would you give us the ability to live our gift? I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.